Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. You singing as you go. Amen. Uh, there's trials that we face throughout life, and uh, I don't have to remind you guys of that. Things, life is not easy. But there's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about His presence in our lives that makes it all worthwhile. No matter what you may be facing today, I pray that you would cling to Him. He'll give you peace. He'll give you strength. He'll help you through whatever it is you're facing. He's helped me through a lot. and I've watched Him help many other people through a lot of things. And they've been able to bear it with a smile. Because the strength of the Lord is great. Even when we may seem weak. <laughs> that's the way it is. The Lord is a good God. He's such a good God. Today, guess where we are? First Timothy. Can anybody guess the chapter verse? Chapter 5. Verse 9. You got it. Right on it. Uh, this is one I was, uh, Marlette knows this, I was discussing this with her. Man, this is one of those that was tempting to just gloss right over. Uh, at first glance, you might find that there is not much of a sermon here, right? Well, uh, my mother, I asked her what she thought about the passage, and she took out her, her Bible, and, uh, she said that, uh, she takes notes every Sunday in that one Bible. And uh, I can't remember how many years it was. I could pull the message up, but I, I don't, for the sake of interrupting the sermon, I don't want to do that. But it was a significant amount of time, and for her sake, <laughs> for a si significant amount of time that she's carried that Bible and listened to, let's just say, hundreds of thousands of sermons. She said, Corbin, I want you to know one thing. I don't have one note. Not one. Not one time in the time that she has been under the preaching of the Word of God has she seen this passage in itself being preached upon. And I thought, well, <laughs> leave it to me. I'll do that for you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, and I read it and... I, uh, I'll tell you what, there's a message here. and uh, uh, Just because my mom hasn't heard a message on it does not mean that there has not been. I, I looked it up and in fact, there have been quite a few sermons on this. And, uh, and what we find here, uh, we, we touched on this last week. We talked a little bit about the widows. Uh, but Paul goes full force in reference to talking about widows, even to the point of, of listing qualifications by which a, a woman must, must, be, must meet these requirements in order to be on what is called the roll or the, what he calls the, the, um, the list, if you will, to receive aid from the church as a widow. And what he, he refers to that is as a widow indeed. 
or someone who is really a widow. In other words, someone who's really alone. Uh, now, Paul, I want to encourage you to not get me wrong. Paul is not listing these qualifications to say, all right, you got to make sure these women are believers and all this stuff and make sure they're doing their mind and their P's and Q's or they ain't going to receive nothing from us. Now, look here. Now, he's not having this haughty attitude toward these people who have gone through a tragic thing. It is no small thing, and some of you are all too familiar with this, to lose your life partner. This is not something that is small. It's a huge deal. And it's devastating for many. What Paul encourages us here, and I'll get into more detail, is as the church, we must, we must seek to enable people, not just serve. There's a difference. There's a big difference between ministering to somebody's needs and giving them the ability to move on from that help and that care. Right? We don't want to exercise dependence. We don't want to encourage dependence. We want to encourage independence for those who are able. That's the key phrase, for those who are able. So let's read this passage, this conflicted passage. And you guys may hate me after I read this, but that's all right. I'm not going to say anything that the Word of God does not say. So... I trust the word of God to speak and to do what it calls and what it says. All right. Don't get up. Uh, please don't get upset with me. If you do, I'll be all right. All right. Starting in verse nine, first Timothy chapter five. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has dilig diligently followed every good work, but refuse the younger widows for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And we'll get into what that is. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. Let's pray about this. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. I pray that you would guide me and guard me and keep me inside the bounds of your holy written word. Lord, guide me with your Holy Spirit so that I may utter only words that are of you. God, I don't want to get up here and, 
and, and speak on my behalf. I want to speak the words that God himself has uttered. Lord, speak to your people today and feed your sheep. And I'll give you the glory and the praise and the honor. Father, for you are the only one who's deserving of that. God, I pray that we worship you as we study your word. And we ask these things when we only have the authority to come before your throne through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's the thing. First and foremost, lead people to independence, not dependence. Be wise. Paul is encouraging Timothy here. You can't just help everybody. Why? Because there will be inevitably, and I don't know how many of you guys have experienced this. When you help somebody, there will be people that take that for granted and abuse your help. They will. There, I mean, many of you have experienced this. I know from firsthand, you telling me stories about what has happened. When you help people, inevitably, you're going to come across those people who are just using you. Who are just saying, well... I'm going to go get the free clothes from the clothing closet, turn around and sell them and make money, right? We have to have a standard, Timothy. That's what Paul's saying. It's okay to turn away people, Timothy. Now you, th- you think, Corbin, that's harsh. Have a standard. Paul is encouraging Timothy, make sure these people are actually in need of your help. And they're not taking you for granted for the first thing. It is important for us as the church to be careful what we do. We must think before we act. If there's somebody who is really in need, why would I give valuable resources to someone who's just mooching off the church? Taking advantage, right? When there's people who really need that help. And you can find those people. They act different. These qualifications not only help the church, they help those who are the widows. They help the ones who... Who are, who are dealing with this. What Paul is encouraging is Timothy. This is, this is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Discipleship, Timothy, starts at the home. Paul, Timothy, Timothy, take this and say, encourage the families to take care of their widows. For example, the widow has children. And the children at that point, they better step up. And they say, I'm going to take care of you, Mom. In this process. And nobody, the church cannot take care of a grieving widow in any better way than her children. Her children have been there with her from the beginning, right? They know, they understand. They're grieving as well. When somebody else 
Let me give you an example. Would you rather, let's play this game. Would you rather have somebody, when a friend of yours passes away, would you rather have somebody that knew the person there to console you or somebody who had no idea who they were? Of course, you would rather have the person that knew them because they know what you're missing. They know who you're missing. They understand because they're going through the same process. And you guys bear one another's load. Now, now you may be saying, well, Corbin, well, what if, what if I don't have anybody else? That's when the church steps in. Those that don't have anybody else, that's what we do. We take care of them. But if they have somebody, encourage them. Not encourage the person who's needing the help. Encourage the person who can to do that help. Right? I'll give you another example. When, when, uh, when a... Uh, I immediately think of a catch and release, right? The animal hospitals. Uh, you see an injured animal... Uh, you take them to the rescue or the animal rescue. And what do they do? They take them in. They, they take care of them. They mend the wounds. And then what do they do? They release them back into the wild. As the church, an uh, under 60-year-old woman in this time was capable of going back and serving. Right now, now, immediately you think of, well, what about the 55 year old woman? Well, I'm sure there are things, you know, that that happen. But here's the point, guys. There are exceptions to every standard. But here's the point. You have to have a standard. The qualifications that Paul encourages Timothy to follow are saying that this woman must be faithful to the church. She needs to be diligent in serving. Now, now I don't want you guys to think that that's harsh. That, well, she needs to earn her keep. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying she needs to earn her keep. But no, what, what it is is it keeps her out of sin. These standards keep her from sinning, right? They don't want, we don't want to encourage people. Here's my second point. I'll, I'll say that. I'll save that for later. Put a, put a pin in that and we'll put it over here. I'll get back to that really quickly. When you give aid, this is point number two. When you give aid, be careful not to harm. See, what was happening, and Paul seems to be speaking from experience, right? It sounds like Paul has tried the other way. That's, the, that's the, what we get. He's seen this play out. If you just, uh, he said, look here, Timothy. Now, this, these women are perfectly capable of taking care of themselves at this age. And they've got children who are able to take care of them and do what they need them to do, provide. 
Now, when you're expending your resources and your time and your efforts into those people that can help themselves, what happens to the people? They begin to expect that and they get lazy. Now, that's not, that's not negative speaking, uh, saying that those people are bad. It's just what happens. If Asher has been spoiled and we coddle every little thing and every time he whimpers, we just we do whatever he wants us to do, right? He's not going to grow in discipline and he's going to be a little brat. And nobody likes a little brat, right? We let him grow and get strong. We can't hold him all the time or he would have never learned to walk. He would have never learned to crawl. The church is the same way. My friends, when we help people, we must be careful not to promote laziness or dependence. We can't, we can't expect people to grow in their faith and get stronger if we're coddling them. And Paul is encouraging Timothy here, be careful. Because if you're administering, now now when he is ministering to the, when he's talking about taking care of the widows, he's talking about the church is paying their bills. They're doing the yard work out in the yard, right? They're taking care of, like doing the responsibilities. The church is taking on the role of that woman's husband. And then this time the, women, the man did all the work, right? She did the housework, he did the outside work. Now the church was to step up when she didn't have anybody else to. But what happens if the church steps up? This woman has children who are perfectly capable of doing that. They don't step up. First off, there is a huge, a huge potential for remorse to come from the woman to her children. Well, look at these people. They're coming and helping me. And what are you doing, kids? Right? You're not doing anything. So give them the opportunity. Give the kids the opportunity to serve their parents because it'll bring them joy. And it'll bring joy to the mother. So allowing that is a good beneficial thing. Now, we also don't want to promote the children being lazy and mooching off the church either. Right? Because what the kids like to do when mama is taken care of, they're going to go mooch off mama. And if mama's mooching off the church, they'll mooch off mama and keep, it'll be laziness and ineffectiveness. And I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. I'm just saying here is the standard that Paul puts in place. And it's important for us to have that. Make sure that you're not harming the people that you're helping. We must be careful. Help those who really need help. And if they don't need help, let the other people help. The mark of a good leader is knowing when to back off. And that's something that I'm learning. When somebody wants you to back off, when they got it covered, don't push yourself in there 
and make it happen. Yeah, that's how that's a good way to get people angry. <laughs> right? If somebody needs help and they really need help, help them. But let other people serve. Let other people do what they do best. There's nobody, like I said before, nobody can take care of their mama like the kids. Nobody. Nobody knows their mama like the son does. Or a daughter. Nobody. Thirdly, discipleship starts at home. I said this in the beginning. Worship of God, service to Him, everything of that nature begins at home. What Paul is encouraging Timothy is don't let the church come in between the family unit. Now, specifically when there is a death in the family, It's important for the church not to overstep. Because God has ordained natural ways for families and people to cope with this. That doesn't mean you don't support them. That doesn't mean you don't go over there and talk to them. Right? It doesn't mean, say, well, that's the kid's responsibility. I don't have to do anything. That's not what Paul's telling Timothy. What he's saying is reserve these resources and things for people who are really desperate in need. And if they can support themselves, by all means, let them support themselves. Right? It's not good for somebody to sit and be completely helpless. They don't feel good. That's that's depressing. When somebody is... I mean, we've got... We've got a prime example of somebody who, who's laying there and he's depressed because he feels completely helpless. He feels like he's a burden. That's what he doesn't like. He doesn't want that. He wants to get up and do it himself, right? But he can't. At that point, that's where we come in. That's where we pick up the ball and run with it as the church. Right? I want to encourage you guys. Uh, This isn't turning out to be a pretty good message, ain't it? It's a good word of God. It's not necessarily the gospel, but we find the gospel truth in it. Families are the primary ministry of the church. Did you know that? Families. Not individuals. Families. We live in a day and age, and we talked about this in Sunday school. Everybody wants, it's all about who? Me. It's all about Corbett. It's all about me. You're the boss, right? You're in charge, right? 
You go to Burger King and have it your way. That's not how church is. I'm sorry. That's not how a relationship with God is. That's not how Asher's relationship with me is. I feel like the majority of the time I'm saying, stop, don't do that. No, right? I'm just looking for an opportunity to say yes. (laughs) Yes, you can have that, Asher. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) Right? You can color on the paper, not on the table. (laughs) Right? We're raising Asher to be independent. That's what discipleship is. That's what the church is. We take the children and we grow them up. And they leave and get their own children. And raise them up. And then their children get their own children and raise them up. That's discipleship. Spiritually, this is what's happening. You have kids, you reproduce. Right? Be fruitful and multiply was the first. We talked about that in Genesis chapter 1. That's the first commandment God gave mankind ever. First thing he told him to do. Be fruitful and multiply. And what's the very last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into his father? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Right? Not in those words, right? But go into the world and teach them to observe the things that I've told you. Right? Lead them to the Lord. Give a man a fish. He'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life as long as the fish are there. My friends, this is not an easy sermon to preach. I know I hope you guys know that. But it's necessary. When we help people, we must be careful that we're really helping them. When you help somebody, I encourage you to think about it. Am I helping this person or am I encouraging them to be dependent on me? That's hard. It's really hard. So here's the here's the major question. We'll bring it back to the current day. Are you raising children? Now, this is obviously not literal. Are you raising literal children? Are you making disciples? Are you teaching people to observe the things that Christ commanded us to? Are you serving others? Are you helping those who are in need? Because my friends, that is our purpose. To serve.
It's our job. Now we must make sure that we're doing this wisely. But we're really growing people. Right? We're raising up people who can walk on their own, not be dependent on us for the rest of their lives. As disciple makers, it is the church's job to ensure that these people can take care of themselves. And that's not mean, that's not harsh. It's the design that God has set in place. It's the way it's supposed to be. And when they can't do that, of course, we help But if they can, we encourage those who are able to help to do that so that we are free, right? All right. Now, I'm preaching this to the church, those who are saved. And I don't want to neglect this opportunity. Uh, I don't ever want to close a sermon out without giving an opportunity for somebody to get saved or present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ desires for you to be part of this family. The family of God has standards, just like any family does. The kingdom of God does not expect uh, people to not do their part, right? When, uh, when, my mom, when I was growing up, my mom made us a chore chart. And all three of us, the three boys, we had our name on the chore chart. And guess what? Every day we all contributed to the home. Today, Corbin takes out the trash and sweeps the kitchen and dining room floor. Today, Dustin will sweep the bathrooms and clean the toilets. And Shane will do this or that, right? We all contribute. As a family. And Lord, the Lord encourages us that. And now if Dustin was sick, my mom, what did she do? Guess what? Hey, Corbin. Hey, Shane. Can you pick up the slack for your brother? Because he can't do his chores today. And what did we do? We said, of course. Every single time. <clears throat> that was a joke, guys. You can, you can laugh. We were, we were mad. Come on! Dustin's sick, but he could still do it. Right? No. We take... That's what we do in the church too, right? Come on! Can't they take care of themselves? No. Help them. Pick up the slack and help. That's what we do. We're a family. We have standards. We have units. We expect people to do their job and do their part. In their family units. But as the church, we step up and we take care of those who are in need. That's the blessing of this family. If you want to be a part of that family, then please, I I encourage you. I encourage you to come and join it if you're not. Um, So uh, that's what the Lord's laid on my heart. I pray, I pray that it spoke to you. It spoke to me. Uh. I hope, I hope it did. Um, as we have an opportunity of, of response, I don't ever want to leave without giving that opportunity. Uh, you may have something you need to pray about. You may have somebody that needs help. And you can pray for them. 
You may have some people that uh, that need to step up. And that's okay to pray for that too. And whatever you need to pray for, I challenge you to do it. Pray to the Lord, the one who can make a difference. You can tell me until you're blue in the face and I may not be able to help you. But God can help. And if, if you want me to, to be in on that, I'll help you pray. I for sure will help you pray. Because I love you. And if there's anything I can do for you, I will do it. And so, uh, so that, as we have this time of response, I'm going to come down here as I usually do. And if you want to come up and pray, I'll be glad to pray with you. If you have any questions or refutes to anything that I've said today, by all means, you can talk to me about it. Uh, but, uh, but we'll be back up here and I'll close us in prayer after this, after we call uh, the altar call here. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 5th Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. We also have a website. Check us out at westendfwbchurch.com.